0: Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracting business with a man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kinoki. That's me. Hey everybody, it's Mike, and I'm back with the Contracting Handbook. And today I have a special guest I've been talking with on Instagram, like many of my guests. Um, It's uh, Daniel Preston, and he is at Vancouver Custom Homes on Instagram, where he chats a lot during the day about what we're all doing, challenges we face. And he's a project manager for Clay Construction there. So welcome, Daniel. How's it going today?
1: Good, Mike. How are you doing?
0: Doing good.
1: Good. I'm TG... actually uh, driving in my truck, just uh, going from site to site. So it's going to be interesting to see uh...
0: how this goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, you bet. It's been fun talking with you about, uh, about the challenges we face in the construction industry. And so, so, so the audience can get a better idea of who you are. Uh, how long have you been in the construction, construction industry? Just briefly. So I've like,
1: been, I've been in construction since I was in um, grade seven, summer to grade eight, in like uh, elementary to high school. So that was in, in uh, about twenty five years ago. So if you know, I was working um, doing construction on Saturdays for my best friend's dad. He was a mason. And um, when I say Mason, I'm talking like old school Mason, uh, yeah. um, hard, hard around the edges. Uh, he expects you to be working your butt off every day, uh, every, every minute of the day, no matter what. And uh, if he didn't like something you were doing, he definitely lets you know it. Um, but you know what? It taught me a, a ton about work ethic and how to always keep yourself busy. Um, so that's how I started out in construction. And I started making money. And that just really was something was awesome as a kid. And I uh, ended up working for that Mason all throughout high school every Saturday, um, every summer. Um, He then moved to Ontario, um, which is a ways away from British Columbia here. And then uh, my grade 11 to grade 12 summer, I flew out there, worked for him all summer and came very, very close to dropping out of school completely just to work for him. Um, I was making good money and I loved what I did. But luckily, um, I did come back, um, forced by my parents to come back and, uh, finish up school and, um, that's how it all started. So yeah, long time.
0: And yeah, I, 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 I can appreciate that, uh, getting that work in when you were young. I, I started working at a very young age too. And, and when I got a taste of the money, I was like, oh yes, you can, how much can I make in a day? And, and, uh, worked my butt off all summer long, every summer. What's your, uh, what's your current position with the company?
1: I am currently um, a project. Well, I have two, two roles, kind of. I'm a, a project manager for the company. I'm also a site manager for some of our sites. So how we do it, um, I've got a couple of guys um, on site that work um, every day on site. And then I have a few jobs where I am the project manager and the site manager for those jobs. So it's kind of a um, with the company. But it's, um, yeah, it's
0: good. I really enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, on the project, you know, you've got a bunch of subs and then uh, employees that you're managing. How many, how many, how many people are you managing for the company? And then I, I'd imagine it's just a small army of subcontractors all over the place
1: yeah so so the, the company the company itself uh, there's only three of us so there's the there's the main boss who basically looks after the sales and hooking up the uh hooking up us all up and then there's myself um and then one other um site super we're looking for more guys actually um to to hire on but that's that's all we have for now and everything else we do is all subbed out to uh to subs so um so yeah, it's kind of we have no employees really. We're you know other than myself and the one other guy, um, everything else is subbed out, and we find that works really well for us because we are we're, we're a cost plus builder. So every bill that we get, we just forward that to the client, and they uh, they pay for that bill. So not having employees um, makes it uh, easier for us to manage. I think.
0: I have a quick question here. Uh, then uh, as a as a general contractor who's had employees and I've gone to no employees and managing projects, but I see the, you know, on a lot of jobs, especially in a remodel, for instance, Mm -hmm. there's things where you need a carpenter to go back and fix something. You just need a guy to get over to the site and fix something. And when I had employees, I just peeled the guy away from our current site. You get over there, do this little punch list, come back. And, and so how do you, how do you deal with challenges like that when you're, when you're, when your subs are doing the work, yeah. but, you know, a, a, generally a general has that, has that responsibility in residential where I am. So what, what are you doing there?
1: Yeah. So we're, we we have a lot of those same challenges as well. Um, and what we found is that we have such a good relationship with our trades that we're able to, to call up, like let's say a fish carpenter we can give him a call and he'll come out and do stuff for us because he knows he's getting the next work, work with us. And so it's just that camaraderie and the trades trusting us and doing us favors. Cause they know that we're going to do them favors as well. Um, that's how we get around a lot of that. We do rely heavily on our main subs that we use. Um, there is the occasion as well, where we will hire on like temporary labor guys to come in. We have that down here in Vancouver. Um, you know, some, some of the guys are great. Some aren't that great. Um, and so yeah, we we will do that. For, for instance, like if you if you had to get the whole site cleaned up, um, we'll hire a couple of temp guys. that come in. Um, you gotta monitor them quite a bit, but that's typically what we do. Um, but yeah, having that that just that, that tight knit group of subtrades that trust us and that we want to work with, that's how we uh, we manage that pretty good.
0: Great. Yeah, I was just curious because I I as a the way I do it now, I I definitely run is that oh so who, who's, someone's got to clean this up someone's got to put these nailers in and
1: well, as far as like, like you said, you said clean up the site. So I am a stickler for this. Um, I have the site clean for every trade when they come in, I expect that trade to have a site clean when they leave. So if, if that's the reality of the situation, and if you are militant about it, the site really shouldn't ever get dirty. Um, I know it's sounds like a, crazy but it's it's working so far I've got five jobs and every site I can go on to and the homeowner's can come to and it's clean and I've got no laborers working for us it's just my subs know that it's actually in a contract we make them write it in that at the end of every day they will leave the site cleaned up they won't have their material strewn out about the house and their tools will be in one spot so what I do is I, I designate certain areas of the house for the electrician a room for the plumbers all their material and supplies go in that room And then the guys just know they got to clean up as they go. And um, that's been working really good. But if you let one guy go and not do it, the whole site falls apart because you let one guy not do it and then no one else does either.
0: Yeah, no one wants no one wants to come into a dirty job site. Yeah, Um, exactly. So that was kind of a little tangent for me. But what what's so what's your average day look like? You know, do you just park anywhere like a general contractor? Everyone is like, Oh, Daniel's here. Look how he parked. And like, what, what, what is your, what what, what, what they know when I'm there, they're like, Oh yeah, no one can get out of the driveway.
1: Yeah. No, that, that was so no I one can move. Yeah. I ran my own company for a, for a long time and I was, I wore the tools and I hated it when the site super or the boss showed up and they parked in the middle of the slab. You're like, dude, like, I can't do anything now. You, you're, you're stuck in all the works. So I yeah. do make sure that I park far away. Um, but no, my, my typical day, um, it kind of, it, it changes every single day. There's no real set standard to it, depending on what your, what the day holds. Um, a lot of times I'll start the day, well, I've got a big family. So that's one thing as well. Um, I, I do try to get the kids off of school with the wife in the morning, um, you know, kiss them goodbye and let them go off and do their stuff. And then I, I head out at that point. Um, go to sites in the mornings, typically, and, um, I do have my own Wi-Fi stick that I bring along with me and a monitor and a computer. So I, d- I try to do a bunch of work, office work in the truck. Um, I try to designate one or two days a week to solid office days. Cause if you don't do that, things get crazy. Um, and then I drive around from site to site a lot of the time and just checking on guys. Um, the phone never stops ringing, um, for sure. Uh, a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails, um, so yeah there's no real set set schedule for the day ever which is what i like um i think if if there was a set schedule i wouldn't like as much as i i love what i do right now so i don't know if that answers your question or not
0: oh no just just curious uh just kind of painting a picture for the for everybody listening and uh i also when i was managing my crew and basically a glorified expediter i always have a laptop with me i always have plenty of office work to do and hotspot for my phone so if there's a delay or i have downtime you know i either would go exercise or crank out some office work or, or finished up that proposal that i was working on you know and, and sometimes you just need a few minutes but it's nice to have that stuff with you
1: yes yeah i've always got my my laptop and my, my ipad with me at all times um, and, and a Wi-Fi stick that I, I carry around. I, I I love that thing. Um, the Wi-Fi, being able to be in Wi-Fi wherever you are, is amazing. Um, that's been really helpful for us. Um, and I was actually talking to my son uh, today. It's a ble- It's first. a
0: blessing and a curse. It's a blessing. Yeah, and for a curse.
1: sure. One hundred percent. Yes. So it can be the <laughs> biggest curse in the world. Yeah. Um, because they to- can always find you. Exactly. Yes. I was actually. I just came yeah. back from vacation where I had. Like I, I had found you today. Bags.
0: It took. It took a while, but I found you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we did find you. <laughs> <fine>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Um, no, I was just talking. I was talking to my son today about this, and uh, he started working for us this summer. And uh, he can drive soon, so I was saying it's going to be awesome next summer when he can drive, because he he can be my chauffeur. and I can get all kinds of office work done while while he drives from me drives me around. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that point in my life.
0: Cool. Yeah. And then he can then he can drive himself to places he needs to go, and exactly. you don't have to. You don't have to be soccer dad at night.
1: That's right. That's for sure. I'm looking, looking forward to that. So.
0: Although you've got a couple more coming behind them, I hear.
1: I've got, uh, yeah, I've got eight kids, um, and everyone's jaw just drops to the ground. I know. Yeah, um, yeah we've got uh, four boys and four girls, um, so I am a busy, busy dad after hours, um, which is which is very important and differentiate from work life and um, family life. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not worth working and uh, losing your family or not being there for your kids um, soccer game and basketball or ballet and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's a fine line for sure.
0: So, and I, and I want to come back to, I want to come back to that, uh, that we're going to get into that personal stuff towards the end here, but what, so you're managing in between your boss and all these subs. And, and so middle managing is really high pressure because you're satisfying so many people you're trying to work with so many people. And so what is, what is your greatest challenge there? Uh, I mean, there's gotta be a lot, but there's, it's a, it's high pressure.
1: Yeah, it is. It is definitely high pressure, but I think there's a way that I've found to make that pressure less is, and that's by setting setting up the project properly right from the start. And Mm and just being on top of things all the time, um, which is really important. Uh, if you start a job and it's a mess before you even start it, the job never stops being a mess. It's, it's almost impossible to bring it back around to having it be a smooth job. Um, I think the biggest stressor really is is the clients, to be honest, the homeowners, uh, the guys that we're building these amazing, beautiful houses for, where they're spending the most money they've ever spent in their life, and they're entrusting me with, you know, over a million dollars worth of their budget. Um, and I get it. I'd be the same way. I'd be, I'd be on top of that guy as well if I was that person. But when you're talking about, you know, 1.5 to $3 million house build, um, they expect you to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, that's tough. When you, you have a family, you have a life outside of work, how do you tell these clients, the reality is I'm available from, you know, 6 a.m. till 5 p.m. kind of thing. Um, that is tough, and um, what I've done with that is right to start sit, sit down with the clients, and I tell them, I'm like, hey, I, I'm here for you. I'm committed to your job 100%. But I need you to know that I have an outside life, and you know, be I need you to be respectful of that, and I'll be I will also be, be respectful of your time as well. Um, now I tell them as well, if it's an emergency, you know, I give them a, a way that they can contact me under in an emergency if there's a flood in the house or a fire or something like that. Um, but I've, I have found that if I just sit down and explain it to them, most of them have been really good about it, which has been awesome. But if you don't explain that to them, then it's, you know, you'll, you'll get the calls at eight o'clock at night or, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Cause they want to talk to you. And, um, once you take one phone call, they, they assume you're always there ready for them to talk to them. So,
0: yeah, that, that text, that text with thoughts on the project at 9 PM, when you're winding down, Yeah, get you, get you, it, it start, it jumpstarts you into tomorrow when you really need to be focusing on sleep. And, and I, I agree, I didn't set boundaries for so long. And finally, I just figured out some language to use to sit down with people and explain to them, you know, I, I have to sleep. I have to not think about this for eight hours a night. So, you know, you have to give me that. I understand that, that you want to talk about it, but most of the time your thoughts can wait till the next morning. When I'm fresher anyway, I'm better at talking in the morning At night. I might say, I'm just not clear headed. I'm tired, right. you know, and, and it's not the best time. And And I think when you take your time to explain it to people, they do get it. And, and, but it has to be right off the bat. You have to really let them know. And, and then they, it sinks in. They understand. They're like, Oh yeah. Cause you're be, you're, you're dealing with 10 or 12 clients at a time, a zillion subcontractors putting out fires. And so but I'm the same way. Question like if it's a if it's an emergency, I'm all about it.
1: Yeah. You, you yeah. The other it. thing that we that we definitely do is we provide a ton of information every day to our clients. So we 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 provide them a, a daily log, a, a report of what happens on their site every single day. So really that has alleviated a lot of those questions of how is the site going, what's happening on site. Um, so every day the client gets a report with photos of the site. Um, they get a, a brief little, like five, maybe even two sentence blurb of what happened that day and, um, and a revised schedule. If something's, if something's changed the schedule, they'll get that revised schedule every single day of, of the project. Um, so what we found is that by doing that, it really just takes that stress off of them for wondering what's going on at site. Um, and the other thing we do is we have a por- an internet portal for them. So they can log on to this this website and they can see the project live time. We have cameras set up on site so they can see the site. They can see their budget. They can see all the communications that are going on between me and the trades. Well, not all, but most of them, the ones I allow them to see, they can see those. Um, And it's just a way that they can basically, wherever they are in the world, they can log on and see everything. So we did that because we realized this exact problem is that we were getting people stressed out, people not knowing what's going on. And we had to figure out a way to be different than other builders. And you know, what's, what's going to set us apart from others and have them choose us over someone else. So we found that that's been essential to, uh, to not only my, my own personal, uh, quality of life, but for the homeowners to be able to know what's going on too. So
0: that's that's impressive. Really that's impressive. I, I, um, I am all about keeping people abreast of changes and surprises. And I'll, when, you know, when that stuff comes up, I'm, I'm all over contacting them right away uh, and giving them as much information on, the, on a regular basis as possible. But cameras on site, I've never even considered. And, and my, my, <laughs> my crew and my subcontractors, when I, put, when I started putting time-lapse cameras up, you know, they didn't really know, but then they would start seeing them. And yeah. they're like, uh, what's, what's going on here?
1: Well, we, we, you know, we, did a timeless but... camera. we, we have a timeless, timeless camera on site and it's great for the clients because then you can give them a file oh, yeah. and they can see their entire house build. And they're so thankful for that. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it costs us like 400 bucks to put it up. You have know, to buy a camera, but in the end it, it pays off its, itself for sure. Um, and how we have it too, is that, is that the client can log on to that camera and take a picture whenever he wants. So if we have a lot of overseas, um, clients as well, not a lot, we have a few overseas clients. And so if they ever want to log on, they can just look at, look at what's going on on the site. They can see that the framers there or the excavations happening the demo of the house, all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, you know what, if you're spending over a million bucks on on something, I want to see what's going on. Like why not? And we so far, we haven't had any, any, uh, bad reviews from the, uh, the subs either. They all get it. You know, it's, it's yeah. just how we do it so yeah it's all That's about great. communication right? communication is the, is the key I, I'm not the best at it, to be honest um, I, I, get, I get to that point where if I know it's going to be a tough conversation I tend to avoid it and I probably shouldn't actually I know I shouldn't but um, yeah if you let if you let it fester it just gets worse and worse and in the client's minds it gets bigger and bigger and bigger even if, even if it's a small issue mm-hmm. um, yeah, 100% the most important
0: thing I think about anything you do. Yeah. You know, I've responded to my clients in some really dumb ways when I was younger and, and, and not, and I've taken things they've said personally and, and not thought things through responded right away. And now with those tough conversations, I really find it valuable to, to, before I talk to them to write down some of some of my thoughts and to really clarify what I'm going to say and just make it pointed and then leave it hang in the air. Cause even, yeah. you know, cause people get a little upset. Some, I mean, they're going to get upset when it's a hard conversation, but if you let them process that information a little bit, you know, they, they really respect that. You told them that you, you kept it honest and, and you had the hard conversation that you have to have yeah. when s- some expectations not met or it's in the works, you know? Yeah.
1: If you're not honest with the clients, you shouldn't be working for them at all. I think honesty, having integrity in this industry, is is it will go farther than anything else. I I, I firmly believe that. Um, if you can keep your integrity and the client sees that, even if issues do come up, they they will respect you more. I think for telling them right away as opposed to trying to hide it or trying to just push under the rug. Um, yeah, integrity wins every time. Guarantee it.
0: Hey, and there's another thing I just wanted to bring up um, that I had seen on i, I on your uh, on a story of yours, and this I thought this was really cool. Besides you guys having cameras on site so people can see everything, and their that portal, uh, you did a you did a walkthrough of a house. Was that you did that with clients, right? It was a projected like onto. Yeah. It's projected on, it looked like it was like a, oh, a, yes, a, a basketball court or something, yeah. you know, just, and so you could actually walk physically through the floor plan. Yes.
1: Yeah, so that, so that That's was awesome. That wasn't, that, that wasn't actually um, a client of ours. We were going to see that, um, that product. Gotcha. So what, I forget what they're, I think, they're I forget what they're called. Well, walk on plans. It's a, it's a company called walk on plans. And what they do is they take your, your drawings and they project it in a, basically a big, huge warehouse, and it is exactly to scale of how the house is going to be when it's built. So we were, we went there to, to view it and we are going to start bringing our clients to this, to this walk on plans, because you can, you can feel the house up, you can see the sight lines. Um, you can, you can have the couch where you want it and see how much room you have to walk around it. So yeah, we definitely, uh, we haven't done it with a client yet, but we are going to be implementing that for sure. Uh, I think it costs like a thousand bucks. But uh-huh. if you save, you know, moving walls on site after you've stood, stood them up, you know, you've made you've saved the money right you're there. You're making right?
0: you're making money, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um so, cool. and The other thing
1: to touch on there with, with that um, is we we do site walkthroughs with the clients at specific stages of the job as well. Um, like after all of our roughing is complete on a job, all the electrical and plumbing is, is installed before we insulate we do a full walkthrough and we tell them every single item that's in the house. And then we allow them to move those items around. Like if, they, if they want a light switch moved four inches to the left, it's easier, to, it's easier to do it at framing stage. than it is when you're finished drywall. Um, yes. And I think that's a huge, huge uh, thing that some builders don't do. I think it's silly. I think everyone should do it because you know, you can save a ton of money and headache and time because what electrician likes coming back and moving a plug after some drywall, um it just takes all the whole uh, the morale of the job down by doing that
0: yeah nobody wants punch lists yeah um,
1: exactly.
0: nobody wants callbacks yeah
1: callbacks are not no fun
0: uh okay so i'm going to move on to a subject that you and i have been chatting about a bit and um and so for the audience i had a podcast the other day about how i estimate time for projects for proposals and and daniel Uh, sent me a voice memo that said that's totally not how we do it and so I would love to talk to you about that because because I've just devised my way no one taught me how to do it I've never really gotten any input from anybody and I've given advice to people and but I'd love to hear what you have to say and 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 I think for the audience this is a really neat opportunity to hear a different perspective on it so yes I
1: mean the the way that I I'm not saying your way is wrong in any way, shape or form. I know know you're not saying that there's just, there's many ways to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So how, how we do it is I guess I'll just kind of walk you through step by step. Um, So if we get a a client cold calls us and wants us to build a house for them, um, the first question we'll ask is, do you have a a, a designer? If they don't have a designer, we will strongly recommend they get a designer because no one likes building a house without having specs um, from a different, from a designer. So once the, once the designer comes to us with the plants, our architecturals are all done, everything's done like that. Before we have signed the contracts with the, with the owners, we will price out that job. And what we'll do is we will actually send out those specs to our trades. Not all of our trades, just our specific trades that we know we work with a lot and we will ask them to quote it for us. Um, and we will tell them this is a job that we may or may not get. So they know that it's not, we're not going to hold into their numbers, but we need just a basic quote from them. So the plumber, the electricians, the roofers, basically everybody will get this, this documents and they will put together, put together a quick quote for us. Then we will input all that into our, our system and it will spit out a number of what that, what that is. Now, obviously we have to add in a, a lot of our own, um, you know, from knowledge that we have um, of like labor costs. um, And we actually have a spreadsheet that we kind of figured that square feet of framing will require this much labor. Um, So we have a a algorithm kind of thing that figures out for us that we figured out. And um, yeah, then it spits out the number at the end and we go to the client and we tell them, this is a rough budget. This is not what we say we're going to build it for. This is just based on your specs. This is what we've come back with. Um, and then sometimes we will go to two or three different plumbers or electricians and ask them for pricing. So we can show them that we've done our due, due diligence in uh, getting them, them the best prices. So um, yeah. And then once that's done, if the client then says, okay, let's move to, to, ne- to the next step, we will get a signed contract. And then we will go back to the trades and tell them, okay, hey, we now have won this job. This is our job to do. It's yours to now lose. So we will then, have them record it exactly to the dollar that they can. And um, then we will go back to the client again and show them an actual budget and they will, they will approve that budget for the build. So it's a little bit different in how, how you were doing it there. So we, and we're, we're a hundred percent open book, everything that we, that we get, we show the clients. So all the quotes, all the um, estimates, everything gets all on the table and the client sees all of it. So then, the client can pick and choose the the trades that they want. So we have our three our three or four electricians. They will quote it for us. We'll show the client all four quotes. We obviously have our opinion on who we want to have use the uh, use use the best, but yeah, we let them choose uh, based on the numbers. And obviously, we would never ask someone to quote that we wouldn't use. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're open book and we work with a client to bring the cost to where they want it to be. So yeah, a little bit different.
0: Because when I was talking about estimating time, I definitely, the quotes for my subs is there is that number. And I, and what I was trying to emphasize with that is don't guess what your subs are going to cost. Talk to your subs. But then with the rest of the time I'm talking about, uh, if you have employees like I did. I used to, I used to assume that three employees that I had could do what three of me could do in a day.
1: And they they never did.
0: Well, I mean, you know, my, my young 19 year old laborer has no experience to do what I do. And so, so I had to, I learned the hard way on how to estimate what got, what a crew could get done in a day. And when you get new employees, you always have to kind of you have to buffer that a little bit because they're learning your crew. They're learning what's going on. And then if there's new materials and new techniques, I just have to consider if I'm not doing it, who is? And, but yeah, as far as subs go, those are the, that that makes it, having subs makes it easy because they give you a number and you've got that number. It's solid. It's not going to be your mistake and they're going to cover themselves. They're going to, they got their warranty. Boom. Yeah. I mean when you, I think I
1: think for us we don't we don't have employees, so right. everything that we do is is subbed out. So we we'll, right. we give allowances for sure, like for 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 some labor costs, we, we put an allowance in there. But we tell we tell the client this is a, this is an allowance. It could be up, it could be higher, it could be lower. If it's lower, you save money. But if it's more, you're going to pay a little more. Um, I think that's uh, b- being a cost plus builder is nice because it's, it's harder to lose money when everything's just being paid for by the client. Um, so we're more, we're more, the the clients are hiring us for our service and I guess it's more the people that have more money to spend, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's uh yeah, it's not, it's not specs at all. And it's not uh, a solid contract price. So it is nice in that, in that respect.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I've done it every way you can possibly do it including no contract back in the day so uh <laughs> you know when you're how, that, work, how that how that went for you it varied it had varied results but i didn't know what i was doing that was a long that was a long time ago um when you just trust people and and you're young and naive um and there's no there's no handbook for how to do it so here we are making it right so, now yeah uh so how do, you encourage, how do you encourage your team to follow your lead? Thanks for listening today. Go ahead and email me if you want to be on the show or want to tell me what you like or don't like about it. At my email, info at thecontractinghandbook.com. And this is where I say, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe wherever you source your podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Later.